right, welcome to today's podcast. It might be, it'll be the last one for the week, but uh, I've got one to record on Monday. The rest of the week is uh, vacation for me. Alex, I could leave you and Bethany to your own devices if you want to take up the, the work next week. I don't even know how we do that. Like, but no, also, I'd like to take vacation too, so. <laughs> but also, no. no. Um, today is the third visit. It's the end of the trilogy for Dan Ortiz visiting the podcast. And there's kind of like a light rule. If we like you a lot and you're on a bunch, you get to be part of the intro. So Dan, that's a big thing. Um, I'm sorry I didn't have the Aaliyah standing by ready to go. We usually stick to the same things, but welcome back. You know, I think I could fill in, fill in for you while you're on vacation. I was your intern for, you know, three hours. You six were, years ago, I remember, so. Mary Beth, rest her soul, and Rick's intern more so, but by well, all Well, yeah, means, but I, I sat in on your show. I am all about expanding the Eric Chase Podcast Network. And hey, if. <laughs> if the Eric Chase universe. The, uni- the, the, universe. Ch- the Chase verse, yeah. I think, I, I think you're going to, uh, you're going to make it to the next, uh, to the, bigger election in November pretty seamlessly uh, because you, you probably have more signs than anybody for the most part. But if you don't make it onto council, you're welcome. Hey, be a part of this crew. We have a good time. Sure. That sounds good. And you know what? I keep hearing that about the signs and that's surprising to me. I feel like I don't have that many and I certainly don't have as many as, uh, as Cardi or you know, uh, <laughs> Harvey Savage has just signs everywhere. But people always mention the signs to me, so I think it's just because they're the best signs in the game. They're the best looking ones. They're the most memorable. So it seems like I have the most smart, smart. I I like Nick's color scheme. Um, me too. But you're right. Like yours jump out, and I'm not. And Cardi signs are everywhere. And yeah. to my friend. Uh, Vinny, you might see him and I engaging uh, on on Twitter, and he's the one that planted the the seed in my head, which I should have known. I, I know, but him saying it makes it so much more sensible. He's like, "Loving Toledo is is not a political is not a stance. Like everybody loves Toledo because Car- Cardi doesn't love it more than other people. Mm. Um, but his signs are everywhere, and you're you're right. Uh, Harvey Savage's signs are a lot of places, but I don't see them highly concentrated." Um, I don't know if Michael Knight has anything more than the billboard on Reynolds and airport. Uh, he's got more than that. I've seen, I've seen an, at least one more billboard. I haven't seen any signs though. Yeah. And he should be like, if we're going to, if Cardi's going to run on loving Toledo, Michael should be running on, I've given you pizza all these years. <laughs> I mean, yeah. cause at the end, I think at the end of the day, at least to get through, um, the primary, which is it's the 14th, right? Yep, September 14th. It's uh, less than two weeks away. And wow. Early, early voting is already going on on um, on Monroe Street at the Early Voting Center if you would like to do that. Um, I think to, at least to get through to the top 12, it's it's notoriety and, and recognition. Like the same way our radio stations get rated. Like do you remember it? Not necessarily like the nitty-gritty uh, policy things. And that's why I think you're a shoe-in and will safely get to the 12. Do you feel that way? Uh, I don't know how to feel. It's hard to tell, right? Um, it's it's nice to hear that confidence coming from you, um, but and, and I feel pretty good about it. But it's 19 people um, in the top 12 advance, and you know it's not like anyone, to my knowledge, is running any kind of polling or anything like that. So I could see like a wide variety of results. And the other thing is, 
unfortunately, turnout is um, is just going to be pretty low uh, by all accounts, and low turnout means like even more of kind of like a random result, right? So uh, I kind of wouldn't really be surprised by any any order of you know the candidates coming in. So well, my coworker's not making it. Um, unless he has pulled off some under-the-radar campaign. But he used, like, an old wedding photo for his picture. And I think he's a great dude, and, and he really has passion, but he ain't making it. Uh, Jim's Who's not, your co-worker? Uh, do you know, remember the loud sports guy with the very distinctive voice? Yeah. Uh, Jim Cushlin, he goes by Cush here. He is running for city council. I did not know that. Did we talk about that? N- no, because it was to... To my surprise, because I saw when TOL initially released the first list of the people who had uh, made the list, and, and Dan's name wasn't on there, and then he connected with, with Emma and got on, but I emailed Jerry. I was like, there's got to be another James Cushlin in Toledo. He's like, no, I, I think that's Cush. Well, uh, nice. you know, I, I don't want to say anything about anyone's chances. Um, you know, like you said, it I have no idea what he's out doing. So he might be just like running in circles that I have no idea about. Maybe he's out there knocking tons of doors. Like I, I have no clue. Um, I do like his stance on the policies and he is the one uh, Green Party endorsed candidate in this race. Um, so I have I met him once. Uh, we signed each other's petitions. We were both out at an event and uh, he seems like a nice guy. So we'll he, is. he is. He um, is. And I know that's not what you're saying, but... Well, you, 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 not, I didn't want to get into like the granular aspect of this, but yeah, yeah, yeah. little, little, t- it, this does fascinate me. As I told you, like, I would have paid somebody to find some data to figure out yeah. exactly how many votes I mm-hmm. need to get because with the low turnout, the, the random wild things could happen. Or right. if you got like, if you got half of the people whose doors you knocked on the old West End to absolutely vote for you, like that could be a landslide because of how little the turnout could be, and that's why I asked you, like, like who or what were you concentrating on? Did you go up to North Toledo? And I have a belief in whatever you do, whatever you're good yeah. at, do a lot of it, and you're really good at the old West End. So if the old West End shows out for you, you're gonna make it like hook, line, and sinker. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm just trying to go everywhere because it is an at-large election, so. I, we'll see if that's a good strategy for me or not, but I do know I'm trying to keep it balanced because I have I at least have the data that shows like where the high turnout neighborhoods mm. are. Um, but I also want to go to the low turnout neighborhoods, and that might not be politically expedient. But these are the people whose voices aren't being heard, and they probably don't vote because they feel like their vote doesn't matter, that nothing's going to change, that whoever they vote for, it's going to be more of the same. So. You know, I kind of hope that someone like me comes and knocks their door and is like, hey, like, I'm not a politician. Like, you know, um, I, I can I can fight for you. I can be your voice. You, but you do need to go out and, and use your vote. You know, if every single person that could vote voted, we would have completely different results, not just in the city council election, but all up and down the ballot in this country. Yeah, we would. If I were running your campaign, I would have told you, like, only because you're right. At large is really tough. That's why it was it was quite an accomplishment for for Nick to get in as like a, a nothing candidate. Nobody knew him, although I mean, he obviously had a high profile in, in certain circles. But yeah. that doesn't mean anything in South Toledo or North Toledo or, or like over where I live. Um, 
So it was an accomplishment. But if I were running the Ortiz campaign, I would have said, you need to make hay with the old West End. Get those because those are your people. Um, get them all out to vote through the through the primary, and then spread the wings for the at large um, between September and November. Because yeah, you'll have to make hay with some of those neighborhoods where people don't know you. But here sure. we are. I mean, it's all. It's also you know, the people who you'd think are quote unquote my people. Um, it's maybe not what your perception would be, and I don't mean you like Eric. I mean you as anyone thinking about this, like. You kind of never know until you get out there, like where, where you're gonna like find a, a bunch of support and things like that. So uh, it's it's definitely been interesting. It's it's been like the learning experience of a lifetime, that's for sure. The, but I would say the old West End is your people in the sense that you live there, and that neighborhood is so goddamn insular and tribal. <laughs> um, you could show up with a SWAT sticker shirt and a Trump hat and be like, true. not that you would. You you could be like, Uh, I'm your neighbor. Okay, so maybe not that drastic. Maybe you could say something like, I kill kittens. And you'd be like, but I'm your neighbor. And they'd be like, absolutely, we're voting for you, Nick, for you, Mac, and Nick, because you live here. Where it's just that neighborhood is so insular as opposed to like West Toledo or South Toledo or other parts of the city. I feel like they would lobby to get him kicked out if he showed up with a swastika and like a Trump hat on. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. So I kill kittens, but um, so I, I also wanted to do this another way. Um, since Alex and I, you know, usually we talk about what's going on instead of just hitting you with political questions. And Alex, I'll leave that to Alex. And, and we talked about everything we're going to talk about. And I'm glad you said that this has been such a learning experience because our chance to talk on the podcast has been so spaced out. It's been over months now, and, and it's been fun to watch you grow and and learn. But I wanted to uh, involve you in some of the things that Alex and I can talk about. We don't have a ton of time, but yeah. Dan, please, you know, bring yourself into the conversation. And one of the, uh, a couple of the news stories of note: uh, one, the Toledo Pet Bull Project, um, and we do like them. Mm-hmm. The building where they're at on Tremainsville has been sold, and they're getting booted out of their lease. So they have to be out on October fifteenth, and they are desperately looking for. A building with three three thousand square feet, parking, a large room, some some green space in the outdoor, and accessibility for some people with mobility concerns. So, they're a good place. They're getting kicked out, and they need a building. Anybody got any any ideas where they could go? No, not off the top uh, of my head. But well, that's I don't know the square tragic. footage, but the first immediately what comes to my mind is the Mott Branch Library, the old building. Um, I know they're holding hearings on like what to do with that. So who knows? Maybe that could be a possibility. Um, but I also know that there's been some good like community input on what to do with that building. So yeah. I'm not saying that that would be a better use or not, but that's the first thing that popped in my head. Uh, you know, when you drive around Toledo, there's a lot of empty buildings. Yes, so. there is. Sure. And yeah. There's, and there's a lot of love for that organization. Um, they have a lot of strong supporters, I think. At least that's my perception. So um, I'm sure that uh, things will work out for them. Oh. Yeah, I hope so. Any idea why they're getting booted out? Do we know? The building got sold, and I guess their lease is up, and they they, I, they didn't have the same relationship with whoever bought it. So it's a sure. crappy. If they if just somebody comes and buys the building, um, and there's a lease in place that ends, then mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got their way, as opposed to 
whoever they leased from where there might be a, a closer relationship and there's some latitude and flexibility when it comes to, ah, it's all right, we'll go month by month or something like that. No, sure. I, I just, I, f- I would find it, I don't know, I guess it's because of, it's my nature, but I would never, I would want to continue that lease, I guess. And you never know what the, what's going on with that. But like <laughs> displacing a group of people taking care of wonderful dogs would right. suck. So, um, Dan, this is right up your alley and I'm glad to see it. Um, Tartar rides will be free through the end of the year. Now, I know you're a, you're a bike snob, but I know you're all about other ways of transportation rather than the traditional ways here in Toledo. And I think that's a good thing for Tartar, right? Yeah, and I'm, I'm not a bike snob. Come on. You are but, totally uh, a bike snob. <laughs> How so? Because <laughs> I uh, ride a bike? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Where's your okay. bike from? Uh, Cycle Works. Oh, mine's from Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, I guess that makes me a snob. But hey, I support the local business. So Good for you. From a, a, I say it lovingly. Chain. I say it the, lovingly. The Tarta and- thing is cool. Um, and, uh, you know, in the November election, there's going to be some ballot issues. And there's going to be uh, an issue to change the way that Tarta is funded on there on the November ballot. And uh, I wholeheartedly support that. Yeah, I, it, it's been years I've been thinking it's time for Tarta to modernize. And I know they're, they're under new leadership. And, and they I don't know if they've moved an inch since I've had the idea that the public transportation needs to be better here. And yeah. like and get it out of like 1987 and at least get it to like 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would oh. be nice. So, because I know... Just make it I, feasible to use. I mean, right now it's just not for, for the people who would you would think would be able to take advantage of public transportation it's not an option for them so yeah we've got to fix that um a lot of fixes there do you know god what's jason's like do you remember the guys who used to own downtown latte nope jason and ron um so jason who lives they live in river west townhomes jason had told me when i was yapping about tart a couple years ago that he or some other people who was working with people that there was an, an app being developed to bring Tarta and their services like at least into 2010 um, because one of the most important things is knowing when when and where your bus is. I mean, that's something mm-hmm. that we should right. know these days. Like, it's not like when we were seven and you hope the bus showed, showed up within five minutes of the scheduled time. Now we should be able to track that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, on, a fun, on a more fun note, I know a lot of people had a lot of memories about what was it the, the Holiday Inn that was at the French Quarter in Perrysburg, yeah. Alex near you. Yeah, I have no memories of that place minus driving past it. But yes, I know people loved it. Dan, you had memories. Uh, my wife says that uh, her parents used to take her and her sisters there when they were kids, and that was like when they were kids, they thought it was a really big deal to go stay at that <laughs> hotel. So it it had a great like I thought it was just a name, but I went to a couple events in there. I'm like, oh. I could see if I had enough drinks. I could see how I could feel like I'm on Bourbon Street because the the decor and the aesthetic yeah. was was very French Quarter, but it got demolished. Right. And, uh, um, Marty Jarrett, uh, Amelia Jarrett's dad, the owner of the attic, uh, he used to perform his magic show there. So, oh, <laughs> it it was a very eclectic place, and in the yeah. same way that certain places in uptown bring people together like the attic i think the french quarter did that as well it was just nice. hard it's just hard to see that on like 
like a shopping corridor, but it, it was a place with a lot of memories for people. Um, you could probably predict what the new life coming there would be is, and to save the time, I'll tell you that it's a couple of restaurants, a gym, and some living space. So, like every yeah. other, you know, uh, gentrified or reimagined place, kind of like I guess what's happening over in East Toledo, um, across from Waite and where Glass City Metro Park is. So I, I mean, I've seen that I, they're already, the structure's already coming up. We drive, I drive past it all the time, um, obviously coming and going. So I'm, ex- yeah, I'm excited to start to go to those businesses there. I, I, I love what they're doing on Route 20 and I hate it at the same time. We talk about this. The traffic has absolutely increased. It makes it a little bit more obnoxious. But then there was also some new shopping that they built um, across the street and a little further down by Kohl's but none of it kind of makes sense. It's like a Verizon store and another place to get haircuts. So I'm looking for some things that that are that make a bit more sense. Like there's a mattress store over there now. So for this, I, I have high hopes for this new shopping center because I don't really, um, the newer stuff that they put on Route 20 isn't anything that, that adds more traffic for me, if that makes any sense. Um, so I'm looking forward to places that I can actually go to because it's nice like route. I mean, I'm on route 20 all the time, but I have my, my general spots that I hit and then I go, you know, those places are super generic because I think they're targeted at people who live out in like Woodville and other rural areas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Dan, are there places amid your travels and what you know from around the region and other places that you may have been or have heard about that you'd like to see us have here, whether it's a, it's an idea or a restaurant or a place to shop? Um, hmm. you know, I think we could use more, uh, we really need a good, uh, Nashville hot chicken spot here. Oh, have, yes. Uh, down at Columbus. Yeah, I endorse have, that. Uh, <laughs> down at Columbus, they have, uh, wow, I can't believe I'm blanking out on the name of, of the restaurant. Raisin Cane's? Raisin Cane's? No, no, no. Uh, hot chicken takeover is, is yes. what it's called. Okay. And so when 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 Natalie was going to school at Ohio State, every time I went down to visit, we would pretty much eat there every time I went there. And uh, it's like you know Toledo's got a, a one of the best food scenes there is, but somehow we don't have a place like that here. So if I was bringing in a restaurant, I would I would tell them to open a location up here. So funny enough, there was one that was coming to the University of Toledo campus, like in the plaza where the Barnes and Noble that, yeah. was. But I don't, I mean, it went far enough for myself to find out about it. I was excited about it, but I don't think it ever came to fruition. So you're absolutely right. We, I mean, the way we lined up for that Popeye's chicken on Secor was that hot chicken sandwich or whatever it was, was crazy. So I think that we could absolutely take advantage of that. I want to back up because I heard Hot Take Ortiz show up. We have one of the best food scenes. Like, what are you comparing that to? Uh, do you do you think that we don't? I mean, Toledo we do not. Is a, a great place to go out to eat. Mm. It, th- that, but best is uh, look. I get it. Everything is subjective, but I disagree with that. I mean, well, you go. It's got to be higher up there than most people would think if you if sure. you've never been here. I'll give you is, that. Is, I guess what I'm saying. Like, I, I mean, it's not it's not New York City or something, but. You know, or even know. or even Detroit, Columbus, or Cleveland. Like, it's it's better than Columbus. Is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Defend- Toledo is just 
Toledo is better than Columbus in in most metrics, I would say. Okay, why do you believe that? Because I think most people would disagree with you. Who people that live in Columbus? <laughs> Which there are more of them than there are Toledo. I feel like Toledo them. has. We have a variety, and I know you're looking for for Daniel to answer this, but we have. I mean, we, I think we have a variety of options, and we have small businesses for with food and. Yeah, I, I'm I talking think about our, like the. The Toledo specific, you know, the local restaurants we have, like you said, more culture. Have, yeah, yeah, we have the culture. We have the really, they're really good too. You know, <laughs> but um, every, every city in and Toledo is a city. Like nothing that much smaller than Toledo. They all have those places. I, I just, I, I think ours are better than a lot of them. You're being, you're especially being a, Columbus. You're being a homer. I would agree. But fine. I would, I would agree. I like I said. Uh, my wife went to Ohio State for four years. I was down there a lot. There's, you know, good places to eat down there, but it's it's better here. Okay, and one of the one of the, the reasons why I can't like support our food scene, one because food trucks have been a lot of places long before. Like I remember when I went to college in in the late '90s, there were food trucks that I used to eat at at Temple University every day. And I know this is like a, a modern renaissance of food trucks, but it's it's everywhere, especially during the pandemic. But the biggest reason I cannot tout our food scene against some other places is we don't we don't tout and promote the food that is most ubiquitous here. Which is chicken chunks. <laughs> Fucking chicken chunks. Eric, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know I didn't know that chicken chunks were a Toledo thing until a few years ago. When I had a friend visiting here, and they were like, what the hell is a chicken chunk? <laughs> yep, and we don't promote that as we should. When uh, when I was back home, out uh, near home in Allentown, their minor league team that plays the Mud Hens is the Iron Pigs. They leaned all into everything bacon that they could. Like, they had bacon logo hats. For the Mud Hens to have not leaned deeper into, like, chicken chunks is, is a... Freaking crime! Yeah, I guess but so. That would make it sound like the, they were mud hens chunks, like the Iron Pigs. They're bacon because their mascot's a pig. We aren't eating mud hens. But you, you can you can differentiate it. It's just I think I think we need to promote Toledo style pizza. You know that Amy's, Gino's, Pizza oh, Cat Jesus. style pizza that we need to start calling it Toledo style and make that a thing. What makes I think that it would catch on? What makes that Toledo style though? Um, Maybe. You go, and then I'll answer. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, it's not sweet sauce, but it is uh, sweet-ish sauce. Uh, the ch- ton of cheese and toppings that go all the way to the edge, and like a thin <laughs> crust. Inky's is kind of like this, too. I was thinking the same thing. I was like that cheese that goes all the way to the edge that you don't know if it's crust or if it's cheese. And then like right. the argument of does sugar go in spaghetti, and Toledo says yes. Like, you know what I mean? Or does sugar go in spaghetti sauce? And it's like, yes, it does. <laughs> Gino's, welcome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. I can support this. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm good with this. And I know what you, I, I've had the, like, I, I have always said, uh, at least once I got here and, and got to know the scene a little bit, um, it's nice that Pizza Hut and Little Caesars and Domino's and Papa John's don't have a foothold in this market as they do other places, especially of cities this size, because the local places that the local chains that we have are so good. Gino's, Vito's, Marco's. So I can get behind that a lot. I'm with it. Um, Guys, sit tight. There is like a shit show of traffic out there. 
Um, I'm going to record these real fast, and we'll we'll get back we'll get back to it. Hold on one second. Mm-hmm. So much activity on the roads this afternoon. We'll get to it. 475 eastbound at Corey Road. We have an accident. Stop and go traffic going back to 23. 75 northbound between uh, Wales and exit 200. We have a road surface collapse, and we're down to one lane. Stop and go traffic from Buck Road. Also an accident in Angola at Holland, Sylvania. Central at LaGrange. We also slow traffic a lot of places, 475 northbound, 23 in the turnpike. Also, 475 northbound between Central and 20 and, and 23. 475 southbound between Airport and Salisbury. An accident, 475 westbound at Monroe Street. And one more, Alexis at Lewis. We have an accident. Be careful on your Thursday commute. That's your Cumulus Toledo right now traffic. Alex can back me up on this. That's the longest traffic report I've ever done. That is very it. long. You did. You nailed it. Absolutely. But good Lord, what is happening out there? What's happening at Wales? I'll need to text Thomas. That's his way home. We're still trying to make um, Shang-Chi. <laughs> so don't go that way. Um, hold on. Let me read it because that, that sounded like a big deal. Um, yeah. Road surface collapse. 75 oh. northbound between Wales and exit 200. Oh, northbound. Okay, no, he'll be coming <clears throat> southbound. Road so. surface collapse. Sounds. That sounds awful. It, it does. I yeah. mean, they the no not to like dump on Toledo and our cities and the like the states traffic. They really did like a a shit job with the construction diversions when you're coming down 75 north and 75 south. Like we had some pouring rain one day, and I was coming up 75 north to come to work and I just pa- I had just passed or I was coming up on the casino so I hadn't quite passed Wales right like right where that bridge is and yeah. there was a literally puddle of rain that was just pooling right where you're kind of turning and you know these cars nobody slows down to like the the specific speed limit of a construction zone so cars were blowing through there and I'm, that is going to cause the worst kind of accident um, in the rain, how did that even happen? Like, there's no drainage here. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, um, climate anyway. change. Yeah. <laughs> well, rains, yes, of, co- of course. Now, so. it's of a, course. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's a massive project. And Dan, it's funny you bring up climate change, Alex. I'm gonna have yeah. told you this today. Um, when I was growing up in Philadelphia, there were no tornadoes. Yes. Now, when there's severe weather, there is tornadoes. I, I I just and then also I don't I mean we shared this when we were texting and I talked to my mom about this as well. When Ida was coming through, we were, all the coverage was about like Louisiana and down South, how they were going to be affected. I don't think there was much discussion about the Northeast and all of a sudden it's almost, it's not, I won't say it's worse, but like it blew through the Northeast. There's tornadoes, there's like flash floods. Was there discussion about this or is it just me? No, there was. When I was at the gym this morning, um, I, I saw it was it was all over morning TV and I don't know if it was the the weather wasn't worse but the area is not set up to take that kind of pounding um, the Schuylkill Expressway in Philadelphia which Schuylkill. is a nightmare I'm trying to compare it to something regionally like it's it's an expressway and during rush hour you express at about seven miles an hour. <laughs> and much of it was underwater due to these uh to the the downpours. 
So, but I meant that I meant that the Ida coverage we heard days, almost a couple days at least before it even made landfall, and there was a lot of discussion about preparation. Where I didn't hear about you know Philadelphia and New Jersey and New York until it it had already happened. So this morning, I didn't hear any of that preparation coverage of they're preparing down here, they're doing this down here. It was like it was as if it caught them by surprise. I think that that happened because usually what happens is when those hurricanes slam the usual spots and then they move right. in, they move inland, they lose power. But yeah. not so much yeah. any, anymore because like what Dan said, it, it's definitely climate change and people are not helping it. Um, uh, one more uh, news of note and then we can move on. But this is about the election stuff. So there was something in the blade today. I guess uh, Cardi scooped something that was going to happen. He said he held a miniature press conference where I don't think anybody showed up anyway uh, at the Wayman, Wayman Palmer YMCA and said, we need mm. to fix this place up. Apparently, something next week was going to be announced by the city and the YMCA that we're going to fix this place up. And maybe there's more to it, but it to me, it's just a reminder of he has been removed from things for so long. Um, while his heart is probably in the right place, um, a lot of things are happening that he doesn't know about, that the general mm-hmm. public doesn't know about. And uh, I thought, sorry. No, go ahead. I, I, thought, I thought the implication of that story was that Cardi found out about it and tried to announce it before it would be announced <laughs> to make it sound like it was his idea. <laughs> make yes. it his own. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he hijacked it. That that's one way, but I I also look at it as his hijacking. As he probably, I I'm not going to rule out that he didn't have that idea. Like this place needs to be fixed up. But there's so he's been so far removed, and there has been so much going on for so long because of this renaissance, specifically in in downtown Center City. Um, which is hopefully going to sprawl out and have a halo effect in the neighborhoods outside of that. Like, there's a lot of things that he would like to, to have done or, or on his wish list, and they're already in the works. So he's he's in some ways he's probably wasting time. Mm. But Dan, you're you're not right. I think he hijacked that as well, which is which is also well. I, that's not. I mean, that's that's just kind of way the way the story was was written. Uh, that's not me saying that. I don't know. I mean, that's me saying it. It kind of comes off that way. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's pretty specific. <laughs> the uh, the mayor, <laughs> Mayor Wade, when asked about, like, Cardi running and Jan Scotland, who was supported by the Donna, I don't remember her last name, but she was a former mayor, and Mike Bell came out of hiding, and he looked great. Uh, they supported Jan Scotland as well, and, I, and the mayor had very measured words he talked about how and this and he's right you know it's good to have competition because it brings out the best but i'm sure in quiet corners he's like this is such a nuisance me having to to do any campaigning against anyone else especially someone who can be a pain in the butt like card he takes away from you know me getting things done but right that's part of the job so yeah speaking of getting things done sorry Alex, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I saw I, I saw uh, Mayor Wade at, at the Barrio Latino Art Festival a couple of weeks ago, and I told him, it was the first time I met him, and we talked for a, kind of a while, and 
I was like, uh, I'm, I have to admit to you that, you know, when I've been out campaigning and, and people talked about you, I said, you know, I don't think you should run unopposed. I don't think anyone should run unopposed. And I, I said it enough. And then Cardi comes out of nowhere. And, uh, <laughs> and, and then Scotland, too. And, and he, he said kind of that same thing to me. You know, he's like, it, it's nice to, to have to, you know, stay sharp and, and all that stuff. And uh, Scotland was actually at the event, too. And so then um, the organizer of the event, made the mayor come and, and speak and he was just trying to eat but she had him take the mic and come speak and and he, he said like he just talked for like one minute and then he said he pointed out that i was there and that mr scotland was there and that ron murphy one of the endorsed republicans mm. for city council was there too so that's pretty nice of him to uh you know he didn't have to do that uh let the did. crowd know that that we were all there too and i actually had a few more people come up and talk to me like after he said that so that was good nice interesting um, I think he's a good dude. I don't. I don't think he is a a shady personality by any means. Some Mm-mm. people would. He is no worse of a politician than the scum that has resided in politics for a long, long time. And I don't know if that's that's here. And I know Dan. That certainly um, wouldn't be you. I'm totally fine with former years of of weight. In fact, that the scum is what resided during Cardi's times in the decades ago. Um, but it, it does amaze me that Mayor Wade gets out a lot. Like I used to, I used to like ask Sam Meldon, I was like, how are you in, how do I run into you so many places? He's like, there's three of me. Uh, I, I credit the mayor for getting out to places. Um, and some, some opponent might say he should be in his office working. Well, he's got to be out in the community more than anything. So the people can see he's he's a good or a bad guy, but the places I see him show up at, maybe it's just a photo op, but I've seen him do more and he really shakes the babies and kisses the hands. And I credit him for that. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know he was at that thing and God knows how many other things he's at that I don't know about. It's, it's pretty impressive. Dan, what do you think about his, his presence and engagement with the community on what I'd call personal time? Um, you know, I don't, I don't really know what his schedule is. Like if it's, you know, if that was personal time or if that was, uh, mayor time or not um well it's all you know, mayor. It's, it's, it's all mayor since, time sure since since i've been you know since he's had a real race going i have seen him out at events and things like that and he's always you know even when i was standing there talking to him a few people came up to shake his hand and uh there was a guy that came up to him and and said that he voted for him four years ago and, and wade remembered this man and like where he worked and everything from when wade knocked his door four years ago which was super impressive to me um you know i haven't agreed with everything that wade has done as mayor but uh we definitely could do a lot worse and uh yeah i mean he seems like a good guy and he seems like he's getting out there so i think this was before cardi craziness happened um do you know my friend c fifth danny morin uh, I haven't met him personally, but I know who he is. Uh, Danny's become so much more civic-minded, and maybe he was before, and I didn't see it. He is a, uh, he's well, he, he does dad rap now, um, instead of the other stuff, which he probably didn't do anyway. But he he invited me and told me about the Ironwood Community Garden over on the east side, because that's what he's trying to do over there and yeah. get that neighborhood back on the on the map. And um, maybe it was in the, in. I don't even know what time of year this is. My head's screwed up. Maybe it was in April or May, maybe July. 
Um, and the mayor was there and spent some time and did some photo ops with his cute little daughter. And he didn't have to go over there to that, this, to this tiny little spot on the east side. It wasn't, you know, the, the river walk or anything near the water. It was a tiny little community garden where a couple of blocks of people are trying to have a garden out there with, with free food. And he didn't have to be there, and he did. And that was, that was pretty impressive. He, in fact, C. Fitz said, I just randomly emailed the mayor's office and they said he'd show up. Like, that's cool. <laughs> He seems like that a genuine cool. person. I, I mean, he's, you do see him at these things. You see him enjoying himself. himself. He, he's, he's a politician. You're right. Like, he's a politician. And when he's speaking publicly, you know, especially for some of the tragedies that we've had, he seems a little rehearsed and prepared in a way that comes off as, like, you know, maybe less authentic at the time that you need it but then you also see him in the community giving his time when you're right like he doesn't need to bringing up you know pointing out people that are there when he doesn't need to and for those reasons he tends to come off more genuine for me at least it's nice to see that um, because it, it makes him a bit more authentic when sometimes we've seen him come off as in my opinion less authentic because he probably has to be more prepared and more calculated with what he's saying Sure. Yeah. I mean, and when you're the mayor, I mean, you have like speech writers and all that kind of stuff, too. So I think when you get handed something to say, it's never going to sound authentic. Right. So Um, I have a question for you guys, because, Alex, I know you believe this. Um, Dan, your Facebook post from earlier um, in the same way that like living wage raises my antenna. So does human rights. Mm-hmm. Um, you, Dan, wrote uh, a post to the members of council uh, mm-hmm. for the support to the right to counsel legislation proposed in August by Nick and Teresa um, to get people better legal aid. And also um, housing is a human right. The city's response was inadequate in getting folks who desperately needed rental assistance. Now they're on the brink of eviction. The federal eviction moratorium expired and unemployment benefits ending. We absolutely must be proactive in keeping people in their homes. It's the least we can do. Those are Dan's words from his Facebook post. Um, what makes, and I ask you both, and I'm not trying to be argumentative. Well, maybe I am, but I'm also trying, I'm, I'm genuinely trying to see where you guys are coming from. What makes a particular thing a human right? Uh, to mm. me, it's something that you can't live without. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in in the richest country in the world, and in, in a society like ours, like we shouldn't have people that are unhoused. Uh, just like we shouldn't have people going without clean water or without food. Um, you know, basic necessities. To me, you know, if it's something that you absolutely need to survive, then to me, that's a human right. Me, I agree. Let me interject real fast. I, I, UNICEF seems like a good place, and and they have a list of universal human rights. And the one thing that jumped out to me were. Um, they were all infinite and more behavioral than things you might have to pay for. Um, how we treat other people, um, non-discriminatory practices, inclusion. And if those are the things that keep you from having food or being housed, I understand, but I don't know if I align, at least not with getting more information. And that's why I wanted to bring this up with Housing is a right. Internet is a right. And I get these things have been commoditized in a lot of ways. Um, but the things that, that most places, when I did a little bit of research today, that are defined as human rights 
universally and globally are more treatment of, of other people, not necessarily things over our head or things we put in our, inside ourselves. Alex? No, I, I, I agree that how, you know, human rights are things that essential things that we cannot live without, you know, making it make adding barriers to things like housing and health care sometimes seems criminal like it's just because it's like how is anybody going to get access to that like housing is healthcare. i mean you've seen me talk about that and make that comment because without that you have an increased um opportunity for poor health like the social determinants of health housing is is one of those um so i, I mean it's something that should be provided to people um you know, no matter your circumstance, and it's a, it's there. It's just, is it available to you? Is the option there? Is the opportunity there? Well, like we always talk about, let's fix, let's fix the problems. Getting a house is, or not having a house, might just be a symptom of you not having appropriate opportunities. Because if everything was equal, we've all see the memes, the, the people on the ladders reaching for the tree. If all things were equal. Everyone should have what they need, education, job, whatever it may be, whatever avenue they take, to get food on the table, to have clean water and a home. Um, the home is the end of the race. It's the beginning where the barriers are, Alex, that you just said, are where the human rights problems comes in. And maybe this is just semantics or me being overly literal, mm -hmm. but if I'm not going to give you a house if you legitimately fucked up your life. But well, if, well, hold on, let me finish the other side of that. If there have been legitimate barriers to you attaining these things that you need to exist, I have a problem with that. So let's fix those things and then get you on your way. And then you can eat all the Cheetos and live in the smallest apartment you want. But I, no, I do agree with that. And there is a bit of semantics here in that, yes, like that. There's so many things that make housing a barrier for people, housing specifically. But at the same time, if you are someone that has fucked up your life, there's no way that you're going to improve it without housing, without that basic um, need of a roof over your head. Like that's something that we talk about every day when we're talking about mental health and recover, substance use recovery and wellness. That's why we practice housing first, which is an uh, and increasing national model of housing and that you give that person the apartment, you get them the apartment first, you eliminate that barrier of getting them the apartment, you eliminate the requirement of sobriety, you eliminate the requirement of you have to have treatment first, you give them that place because having a roof over their head is that one thing that they're going to need to continue to keep going to improve their life. It, it, it's a um, an evidence-based practice. So you will deal with somebody who looks really messed up and you're like, ah, there's no way that they're going to, you know, keep this or there's no way that they're going to turn their life around. But there is, you know, data and research that shows that putting that roof over their head is that one step to getting them in the right direction. In informative. Yeah, you it, it, you it's said like, it better than I ever could. Yeah. It, it, well, it, it's what I do. It, it's <laughs> so. informative. Alex, it's like what we've talked about and that article uh, from Philadelphia I've referenced over mm -hmm. and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Make neighborhoods nice and there won't be any crime. Um, so it's a great point. And that's why I just wanted to, to suss it out with everybody. Because to me, there is one singular human right. Does anybody, and I'm, and I'm, it's kind of facetious, but it's also very literal and accurate. I think there's one human right. Does anybody want to take a guess what it is? You go, Dan. I, I don't have a guess. The right to life. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's the only thing that is 
that is provided without asking. It's just naturally occurring. Like, you can't not have it. Air? Yep. Ah. Yeah, even that's in danger, man. Like, I don't know, right? yeah. I don't know if it's yeah. going to be good air. Well, it, yeah. it, at least... At least if it goes sideways, seven billion of us are all going to die. But yeah, like that—that's—that's that's the only thing. Because I, I, I look back at human rights and, and and take it back to like a quarter of a million years ago. Like all they needed was—they found their own food, they made their clean water, and they had air. But yeah, I get well, it. And they found shelter too, and they weren't—you uh, mm-hmm. know—they didn't have to pass a background check to get it. They didn't have to pass a credit check to get it. Sure. And, and all that kind of stuff. So that's. That's where the the human right part of housing comes in for me. And to to take it back from this, like, very philosophical conversation (laughs) that we started having, the the letter I wrote today, you know, Nick and Teresa proposed this uh, ordinance that would appropriate funds from an unused fund um, and and give it to uh, Northwest Ohio Legal Aid so that they could provide lawyers for people who are going through the Toledo Housing Court. Um, the Blade reported that less than 2% of the defendants in housing court have legal representation. Yeah. So if you show up there trying to defend yourself versus your landlord, who definitely has a lawyer, you're almost you know, guaranteed to lose. And, you know, I mean, the, the right to an attorney is in the Constitution, so I don't even know how, that's, how that is happening. But if we can provide these people with a little better legal counsel and actually give them a chance in court, um, we absolutely need to do that. Alex, we talked, we talked about it yesterday with Diana, get people better legal counsel so we stop throwing people of color in jail. It's really interesting. It's like, so Dan, my experience professionally is I actually work for a housing provider, like a, a local nonprofit housing provider for homeless individuals. Mm-hmm. And part of the work that we did when I was in case management was we were the landlord, so we were the property owners, but we were also the case managers. So I was linking clients who were in the process of eviction because it was unavoidable to... Um, you know, to legal aid. And I was sitting there on the phone on hold, trying to figure out how to get them connected with the groups like ABLE and some of these support um, legal supports because they really did need it. And we did not, while we were the landlords and the individuals having to start the process of eviction, we did not want them to have the adequate support they needed. We didn't want them to not have opportunities, but getting those opportunities was next to impossible. Our community, our county, not our county, but our area really does not have that funding and the accessibility to provide um, adequate legal aid that's needed for these folks. It's really, it's really unfortunate. And I've been, what, what has it been, Eric? Like at least five years that from my own experience. So it's an ongoing issue. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm- accessibility of, of services is huge for, sure. not just for this issue, but you know, there's all kinds of things that we theoretically should be providing to people. We theoretically have the funds for, we're getting federal or state grants to do these things, and no one knows how to actually, like, get the money in their hands. The right. federal rental assistance is a perfect uh, example, and Eric, right. you and I talked uh, privately about this, and there's tons of red tape and all that stuff, but at the mm-hmm. end of the day, like, this is the city's job to administer that, and we, we should have gotten more of it out to people. I, I was almost going to... Uh, send this your way again this morning but i didn't want to get into the to the back and forth of text I, I made my point now maybe i'm just being an apologist for the city but 
There was another article in the Blade today saying how the rental assistance application period had closed, but um, I'll, I'll read this real quick. And Alex Alex is my example, in fact, Dan. Maybe she can speak to this a little bit. Uh, Mayor Wade said it took longer than anyone would like to process applications. He's confident there are enough in the hopper to get the current batch of funding into the hands of landlords and keep tenants housed. And here's the quote, the money has red tape attached to it. The guidelines, the qualifications, crossing the T's and dotting the I's is all very labor-intensive process. And it was among the reasons that it was difficult to get a little, uh, logistically a little more difficult to get the $10 million out, which again, Dan, I think I showed you in that Blade article that we've actually done well relative to other places, other cities. And Alex, this is where I'll I'll bring you in to maybe offer whatever evidence you can. Um, While it's great, the the feds have handed out all this money. It's almost like they dangled it in front of drowning people and it's been yes. incredibly hard to get. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is just, it has. And, and the one problem that you is unavoidable and I, you're not an apologist for the city because I too will say no one knew we were going to be in a pandemic. I don't think the city of Toledo knew that they were going to have to provide this assistance and were prepared for it. Not with staffing, with, um, systems to be able to take in these applications. I mean, there just was unprepared across the board, which was not unlike other cities and other states. But um, you're you're right, like it, it's, it's dangling it in front of people that might not be able to get it. One of the challenges that we have that people in lower income neighborhoods have, we're constantly working with them on getting appropriate forms of ID. Where's your birth certificate? Do you have a birth certificate? Let's apply for you to get one. Let's apply for you to get a social security card. The access to the things that you need to be able to get this assistance, people don't have that. that they just don't. That's not even what I was talking about, but those are things. Um, sorry, I got a text from Dana. That was a little weird. Um, and I'll take this out if you want. But didn't you tell me you passed on another FEMA grant because there was too much red tape to get through? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. Th- that, yes, there that, <laughs> that was my point. Um this, like the mayor said, the the red tape and the logistical process of of these applications, it was just absolutely inscrutable and Byzantinian. So the federal government made it too onerous for cities to help landlords and tenants, and that's why I say I don't want to come off as an apologist for the cities. But that seems to be what's actually factual here. Like it's great to have all that money more available than ever, especially in these pandemic times. But if there's going to be all these things that you're just going to push down at the local level, Mm -hmm. it's a problem. But Alex, you're also right. Like if some people don't have these things that they need to, to do to go from step one to step two and three and four, it's a problem. But this seems, especially after you told me about the FEMA stuff, like why Mm -hmm. would you turn away money? Because it's too incredibly fucking hard to get. Not all money is good money was was the like phrase of the day for the when we were like immediately when we got the FEMA dollars, which is wonderful that they were providing these dollars. The amount of requirements that it took from us, the actual providers, like took us out of providing the work that they were giving us money for to make sure that we were compliant with all of the requirements. It was like by the time we got to the end and we were determining if we wanted to continue, you know, the funding you know, if we wanted the extension, it was, we politely had to say thanks, but no thanks. Um, it, because it's taking us away from the work. It's taking us away from what's really important, um, which is helping people. And I think that's the same thing with some of this rental assistance. I think they, there's, there was some, um, news article that's quoting some landlords and saying like, it's just too difficult. It's too difficult to get this stuff. It, t- it requires too much. And I feel like that takes a lot for people to say when you're when when evictions are on the line, 
like when homelessness is on the line and people are still saying this is too much, like it has got to be a lot, um, a lot, a heavy lift to just to get this basic need of of um, of monies. And I think about like unemployment. You, you We know this. How many how many billions of dollars or millions of dollars did we have in um, unemployment that went out um, illegally or inappropriately because they were just like. Once we got over that hump of figuring out how to use the system and the, and um, everybody was applying all at once, they were just passing that shit out like ones at a strip club. Like everybody was getting money. And so it's completely different, I feel like. It's almost like, and I want to go to Dan for the final couple of minutes here. I don't want to take up too much of his time, but I wanted him to be in the conversation more normally than an interview. It almost seems like, as you as we talk about this, that the, that the government dangled all this money to show mm-hmm. we're helping, but made it so incredibly hard to get that mm-hmm. it never actually gets dished out. So yeah. um, my, my last thought on this real quick is, yeah. uh, you know, that may be true, but you see what an effort the city put into the last like month to hold all these meetings yes. and everything to uh-huh. help people with it. They could have done that sooner. You know, yes. they, they knew there was red tape attached to this money before they started, like, scrambling to get it done. It may- almost, to me, seems like they were surprised that, that the federal government actually let the eviction moratorium expire when it did. Because, you know, as we're seeing, like, the coronavirus is we're going the wrong direction. So you would think you would extend that. And I'll just say that people that have been working on this directly have told me that, they don't think that the city did enough. Now, I, maybe we did better than some other cities. Uh, maybe it is a hard job. Maybe it does take a lot of time. But at the end of the day, it still is their job, and they could have done mm-hmm. more. And I've heard that from people who have actually like done the actual work on this. Um, how do you want to wrap up here? Uh, I got to do a contest here, host, like. Man. I, but I, I didn't want to, like I said, I wanted to involve you in the conversation because it's good to have you on. But also, <laughs> if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you want to share out. Um, maybe just some basics of, cause that, 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 that's not a, often even a barrier. It, it can be just laziness, but there's a primary coming up and people need to know where to go. Yeah. So let's just, uh, let's reset here. You know, my name's Daniel Ortiz and, um, <laughs> you can find me, um, my website's www.ortizfortoledo.com. That's spelled out O-R-T-I-Z-F-O-R-T-O-L-E-D-O. Um, you can find me at Ortiz for Toledo on Instagram, Twitter, um, Facebook, and the next every Saturday and Sunday uh, until the primary, I'm going to be doing like community canvassing. So if you want to meet up with me and go knock doors in some neighborhoods, it is not as daunting as you think. It's pretty fun. Um, we have like we're not going to random houses. Like we have uh, a list and and we are knocking on the doors of people that we think will be agreeable to our, our cause here. So. Um, you know, that's actually been a huge boost to me. I think when, when you knock on someone's door and they already know who you are and they say they support you, it's really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. so knocking doors, um, I'm going to have, if you keep an eye on my social media feeds, I'm going to have opportunities for that. Um, I'm getting right now set up with uh, text banking so you can just sit on your laptop and text people and let them know, you know, about my campaign and that we've got an election coming up. And, um, yeah, you know, just if you're listening to this and, and and you like what you hear, you know, just tell a few friends because someone like me who's coming from, you know, I, I didn't have any, like, connections or anything before I started this. I didn't have any name recognition, all that. You know, it's been a lot of help to come on to come on your show here and to, you know, do a lot of the other things I've done and go out to community events. But biggest thing you can do for me that's the easiest is to just, you know, 
uh, make a post on your Instagram story or tweet out that you heard me on Air Chase's podcast, and you know, oh, I'd people love should that. take a look at my campaign. <laughs> you know, that's 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 uh, that's that's where we're at right now. And above all, maybe you listen and you're like, "This guy sucks. I don't want to vote for him." You still need to go vote because, um, you know, a, a local political operative told me they heard something as low as five percent for turnout for this primary election, and that like that hurts my soul. So. Sure. We need to go out and vote. You need to make sure that everyone that you know that lives in Toledo goes out and votes in this election. It's half the city council and the mayor. This is as big of a deal as there could be in a city election. So uh, get out there and go vote. Uh, Early voting, like you said at the beginning, is going on now. Next week is the last week of early voting, which means expanded hours. So they'll be doing Saturday and Sunday, and they're open till 7. And you can check the calendar online. But uh, And then, yeah, Tuesday, September 14th, this is it, finally. Uh, after months of campaigning, I can't believe I'm finally going to find out, you know, if, if this was working or not. Two, two last things. Um, you said 5%, and that's why I, I am diligent about, like, if you can get all of Scottwood to vote for you, you're <laughs> in. Like, that's a hundred people or whatever. So the the math would would work out. Last thing, you also very likely have the quote of the entire political season. Do you remember what it is? I have no clue. I'm a little scared. <laughs> so I'm sitting on the Twitter on Friday night, and I believe our good friend Daniel Ortiz ran into <laughs> Cardi Finkbeiner, and now you know where I'm going. I actually still don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I believe uh, you somehow like introduced Cardi to... You introduced yourself to him. Yeah, I met and, Cardi, yeah. And he said, I like the Hispanics. <gasps> he, he, he said, I've always supported the Hispanics. There the we quotes. go. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> uh, like your boy Mac Driscoll said, that's better than the alternative, I guess. You know? oh, <laughs> it, he could have ta- taken it a step further and been like... I've always supported the Hispanics. They do a great job with my lawn. Oh my God! <laughs> uh, <laughs> didn't it, didn't um, Kelly Osborne say that she cleans my toilet? Uh, like, what? Yeah, this was like a Friday night, and as soon as I saw Dan tweet it out, and I think somebody else, I was like, "This is that's the that's the tweet, that's the quote of the entire campaign season." <laughs> and I, thought, I was afraid it was something that I said. No. <laughs> no, 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 and and I just reported it. <laughs> it's funny. I do people believe you look Hispanic? Like when if you call somebody and you say I'm Dan Ortiz, or or maybe it's just an email, do they expect you to look different, or do people expect you to have like a heavy Hispanic accent? I have no idea. <laughs> I, okay, I, don't know. I was born in Toledo, Ohio, so you know I have whatever that accent is. You are much shorter than I expected. Really? Yes, <laughs> you, you seem taller hey, in the pictures. Listen, I'm 5'8", I'm so don't make me sound like I'm 5'3 over here. Uh, not that there's anything no, wrong no, with no. that. No. Um, Shout out all to right. all my short kings. Well, um, <laughs> the, the trilogy of Daniel Ortiz has closed. Perhaps we will sign... Um, Chris Evans, a.k.a. Dan Ortiz, up for uh, an additional thing in the chase verse. When you get past the primary, we'll have you back before November, okay? 
The chase. Yeah, listen, yeah. we're 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 gunning for that top six. All right, I feel good. I know, I know, I know. I think I think it's you're a shoe in in the top twelve. I hope I didn't jinx it with that. There's going to be some work to get into the six, but I don't think it's out of reach. We're going for it. All right, uh, Dan. Thanks a lot, Alex. I need a bye bye, and um, yeah, that's it. All right, are we ready? Thanks, Dan. Thank you, guys. Give it to me. Am I? Oh, I'm like, am I staying on? Yeah, do the big, you uh, do the big bye bye. Oh, bye bye. I like it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>